Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is like I say every week. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. If you have a gift, I always tell you to lead with your gift. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dream. My interviews I do on Money Making Conversations are with CEOs, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a celebrity. He's an entrepreneur. He's truly an industry decision maker. His name is Will Packer. Will Packer is an HBCU graduate of FAMU and holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering. His company, Will Packer Productions, has produced films that have earned earned more than $1 billion at the box office. And 10 of those films have opened at number one, including Girls Trip, Night School, oh my goodness, man, my movies, you know, Think Like a Bad, Think Like a Bad, Two, Ride Along, Ride Along, Woo, Obsessed, Breaking In, Stuff the Yard, come on now. He's on the show to talk about HBCUs, changing your career narrative, self-promotion, and the many projects he is currently producing and have on his production schedule. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Will Packer. Hey, what's happening, my friend? Thank you for having me, Rashawn. Well, thank you, man. You know, our our journey, man, has been an interesting one. And, uh, you know, as far as your career and just seeing you open up. But one thing I've always noticed about you, Will, you kind of changed the narrative as a producer. You've always been out front promoting what you do along with some of your projects. And it's really changed the narrative because not everybody does it properly. And I don't see nothing wrong because you really understood social media from a producing standpoint as an individual early on. What drove that? You know, it's interesting, Rashawn. You hit it on the head. Uh, Film and television has always been a director's medium. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But those typically were the only names that you knew. The stars, of course, and then the directors. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. when I came in as a producer, I knew how important it was to connect with an audience. And I'll be honest with you, Rashawn, that really started with my journey at FAMU because I made my first film project, which was Chocolate City, while I was still a, an undergraduate at FAMU. I was a junior. We shot Chocolate City, this little bitty movie. We didn't know you know, what it was going to do. We didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest with you. But we had a lot of drive, a lot of passion, a lot of hustle. And in order for that film to be successful, I had to go out to my audience, my core audience, which at that time was my FAMU peers. That Those were the only people that cared about that movie at that time. We tried to send it to Hollywood and they sent it back. We tried (laughs) to send it to to big financiers and they sent it back. We tried to send it to big actors. They didn't even have the the courtesy to send it back to John. They just kept it (laughs) it in the track. But that's part of the journey. That's what it takes. Mm -hmm. And I realized I needed to go out and explain to that audience why they should care about this film. And that really started something that I still do to this day, which is going out and trying to touch people with every project that I had, trying to connect with people. Back in the days after uh, Chocolate City, which was that first movie we shot at FAMU, we made a movie called Twa. And with Twa, we literally drove all around the country. We drove city to city to city. Mm -hmm. Uh, We rented a Ford Excursion 
which which was a bad plan. I realize now, Rashawn, because <laughs> it takes so much gas. It was a big gas guzzle. Absolutely. And we didn't have any money. So we spent almost all our promotion money trying to fill up that big old truck. But that's what it took. Mm-hmm. And we went to each city and we would tell people, we literally hand out flyers. We'd go to the mall, we'd go to the churches, we'd go to the clubs, wherever people were. And we'd say, please go see our movie. Please go see our movie. Well, a version of that is what we do, and I still do to this day. Now we've got social media. You talk about this on your show, Rashawn. You've got to use the tools that you have access to. Right. You've got to use the resources that are available to you. And so with the advent of the social media and the digital landscape expanding the way that it has, I knew that I then needed to use that aspect of my promotion my grassroots hustle to connect with people. And so that's exactly what we did with some of those big movies that you named. But it really started right there on the campus of FAMU, going and knocking on dorms and trying to get people to to care about the movie, getting them to understand it wasn't just something that was going to be released, you know, on their campus and maybe they go, maybe they don't. I was going around telling people, you have to go see this movie. And a version of that is what I still do to this day. Do it very well. Now, but you're an electrical engineer. That was your degree plan. Okay, now, okay, yeah. that's really interesting because I always tell people, like, you know, I, I wanted to be a stand-up. I got my degree in mathematics, my minor in sociology. Just because I wanted to go in that direction didn't mean I needed to change my degree plan. And I think it's really impressive. And I know you get the reaction I get when I tell people my degree is in mathematics. When you tell people you're an electrical engineer, they always go, huh? And, and then, <laughs> but they say it, but they say it in a good way because they're stunned because they know how difficult it is to achieve. Because you was an honors graduate as well in that degree plan. So let's talk about that. Now you know I left uh, my job. I left. Uh, I graduated in math. I went to work for IBM. So everything was normal. And then I went and pursued my career as a stand-up comic. You left college with your electrical engineer, honors graduate, and pursued a a Hollywood career. What did people think? That I was crazy. They thought <laughs> probably the same thing they thought about you, you know, that when you left a good, stable corporate gig to chase your dream and your passion, they said, what are you doing? You mm-hmm. know, Hollywood, you know, we didn't know where Hollywood was. We didn't have a lot of uh, uh, Hollywood connections. We didn't have, you know, big money and resources and all that. So people thought it was fanciful. They yes. thought that I was just chasing a dream that uh, was unlikely to ever be realized. But mm-hmm. one thing about, about dreamers, and you know this, Rashad, is that your dream is your dream. Nobody else has it. Don't give anybody else power over your dream. Nobody owns it but you. And until you say that the dream is over, until you say that the dream is dead, until you say that the dream is deferred, it's not. Because as long as you still believe in it, it's still got a possibility of happening. And so um, I, yes, graduated magna cum laude with a degree in electrical engineering, And I got into electrical engineering because I was strong in math and science when I was uh, coming up in high school and got a scholarship to attend FAMU in engineering. So that's kind of helped to shape that path because I wanted to go at the time that I first went into college. I didn't know that I was going to be a filmmaker. I thought I was just going to be an entrepreneur. That was I knew that was my passion Mm -hmm. and I wanted to go to an Ivy League school, but they weren't offering me a single dime. (laughs) And FAMU was offering me a big old scholarship to be in their engineering program. So my parents said, guess where you going? Mm-hmm. I said, I guess it won't be the Ivy. They said, you're damn right. <laughs> and so they sent me to FAMU. The decision was made for me, Rashad. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision ever. And I took that and ran with it, much like you did, right? I had that solid foundation. A lot of people, um, I think, underestimate the value of having that solid degree that you had, that I have. Like, 
you know, if if nothing else, I did have that to fall back on. And it forced me to work hard. You work hard to get a degree in math. I worked hard to get a degree in electrical engineering, especially graduating magna cum laude. Um, but that work also helped to hone and shape my work ethic and the way that I approach projects even today. So I always tell people, even if you're not in a field, in a position that ultimately you want to be in for the rest of your life, it's still you. Your name is still on it. People are watching you that you don't even know. Always give 110%. Well, that's key. That's key. I, and that I guess that transitions to people don't know you, but they still believe in your brand. That, that, that kind of like our relationship. I was Steve Harvey and I was, was on a Steve Harvey morning show. And this movie, Stump the Yard, came out. And I and Steve Harvey and I, we we would act. Well, our format allowed us to talk to all the black people in America. Well, that's what we felt, you know. We talking to all the black people. We were the number one morning show in the country. And I told Steve, I said, Steve, let's make this movie. Let's really put some effort. I, nobody made a media buy. Nobody made a media buy. But I said we got to start supporting because Steve has the ability and he has such a loyal and passionate fan base. I said let's drive this movie. Let's let's push this movie and, and make it number one. And I didn't even know you. I just felt that black projects at that time, especially your movie, and it was about fraternities. It was about HBCU school. It was had it had all of the uh, the the points that I wanted to support, and it became number one. And unknowingly, that was a, a really uh, a strong lynch point pin to launching your brand, correct? Well, listen, it's it's what you saw was potential in a young black filmmaker mm-hmm. that you didn't know. You saw a project that had the right themes and the right elements that needed to be out there, right? right. And you supported it. You used your platform that you were associated with at that time to help elevate it. That's what we can all do every day. The projects that you see, a lot of people sit back and talk about stuff, right? You right. know, oh, we should, there should be more movies like this, more content like this, more, more politicians like this. But you have the power. Are you putting your brand, your money? I, and I don't mean you have to be Rashawn McDonald or even Will Packer, right? Mm-hmm. You can just be somebody at home. You're voting with your dollars. You're voting with your clicks. You're voting with your, at the ballot box, literally voting. But people don't utilize their power enough. So you use your platform, which helped to elevate what we were trying to do. And if it weren't for people like yourself and others that came in and said, we're going to go and support this movie, right? This is the type. So these are the types of stories that we want to see on the big screen. There's no way we would have been number one movie in the country for two weeks in a row, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. That was because people came out and supported that movie. And so I try to make sure that people realize you still have that power today. You don't have to be some big celebrity figure. You got a network, whoever you are. You got people that you talk to. I don't care if it's at the nail salon, barbershop, online, Twitter, whatever it is. You're talking to people. You're connecting with people. How are you using your network? How are you using your own personal platform? Well, you know, you have a high likability. And that's really important. I remember that when Steve Harvey's book blew up, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. And uh, I remember Oprah came to us about a book opportunity. Uh, uh, Screen Gems came to us an opportunity. We all said no. And then this black dude who I'd never met in my life named Will Packer called me. <laughs> said, hey, man, let's talk. Let's talk. Right. And flew down to Dallas with me and Steve. Right. That's and, right. and drove around and convinced us. Man, that, that's a skill, Will. You know, that's that's a skill because I, I, I say no easy, real easy. And But you have learned to be able to disseminate the positive and why this will work. And even because, you know, we were, and I'm going to tell everybody, Steve and I envisioned this to be a white cast. 
And you said, no, nah, Rashawn, I got this guy named Kevin Hart. And I really didn't know Kevin Hart like you knew Kevin Hart. You nice. know, you said, Rashawn, this guy, he's the next, next one. He's the next. I said, I said, Steve, he's going to, uh, Steve, Steve being Steve Harper, I said, he wants Kevin Hart to star in it. I said, he, Steve said, okay, Kevin Hart, huh? I said, yeah, he said he's the one. And so we trusted you, and the rest is history. How do you see talent like that? And Because that's what's happening to all your movies, all your projects. You're not number one by accident. You have a skill to be able to see talent and cast it along with great storylines. Talk to us about that. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, Rashawn. But I also want to give give some love back to you because if you don't take that call, right? You had a lot of people that were calling you, trying to get into your universe, trying to get on there with you and Steve and being you guys' world. But you took the call mm-hmm. and you gave me an opportunity. And I, I really do appreciate Thank that, brother. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to say that, you know, in, in front of everybody, because if you don't have that opportunity, if I don't have somebody like you that that takes that call, uh, it makes it so much harder for me to get to that next level. And that's basically what I'm doing when it comes to talent like like Kevin Hart or or, or Idris Elba, Tiffany mm-hmm. Haddish, some people I'm very proud to have have worked with on some of their early projects that kind of launched them into into superstardom. They've got the talent, right? It's not that that you know. Um, I'm had anything to do with Kevin's talent. He's an amazing uh, comedian and actor. Same with Tiffany, same with interest in their own rights and other people that I've worked with. But I did have a platform, right? I had the movie that at that time was a foundation for them to be a launching pad for their careers. I'm very proud of them. But I got to be able to take the call, right? Like you took the call. Mm-hmm. And I also do have to be able to ascertain um, who I think has got talent that is, I'm going to call it big screen worthy for the purposes of this conversation, right? Everybody, there's some great talent out there that work really well on, say, Instagram or or, uh, on TikTok. And everybody is not set up to be the star of a big television show or a big movie. Mm -hmm. You do have to, and this is something that I've honed over the years, you do have to be able to ascertain whether or not talent has something that is transferable, because all talent is not. But Kevin, for instance, would think like a man. He definitely had a transferable skill set. And you weren't the only one that was saying, you know, who's Kevin Hart? What's the big deal? All of Hollywood was saying. Trust me. Like there was, you know, there were not a lot of people knocking down Kevin's door because he'd had some projects that had come out before that that had failed, frankly. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They were not successful. So people felt like we know Kevin Hart and we know what the ceiling of his talent is. And it's not very high. Whereas I felt like that's not true. He was having a moment at that time. People were really connecting with him. And I felt like if he just had the right platform, he could take it to the next level. So that mirrors the story that you told about how, you know, when you and Steve allowed me to come down to Dallas and pitch the movie, it's the same thing. You right. need an opportunity. You need somebody to give you a chance to listen to you and to see your talent. You know, it's funny. I, I talk to people all the time about perception, about perception. I tell everybody if uh, Vice President Kamala Harris didn't tell anybody, what school she went to, they would immediately say Ivy League. They would immediately yep. say Ivy League. And yep. so if Will Packard didn't hype the fact he graduated from FAMU, they would probably be saying USC Film School, UCLA. Yep. They would immediately throw you in the, because that's where you're supposed to be coming from, according to the industry, according to perception. But you're an HBCU grad. Tell wow. us, wow, the difference that made in your life and how you carrying that, that mantra to let everybody know the quality of education and opportunity that is being presented to African-Americans or people of color at those schools, and they're changing the landscape of America. 
Yeah. Education at the highest levels. And that's the thing that um, sometimes people, even black people, uh, don't realize and give HBCUs enough credit for. It is education at the highest level. More importantly, though, because you can get a great education at a lot of different places. What you don't get is the sense of community that creates a Kamala Harris, that creates a Will Packer, that creates an Oprah Winfrey, that creates a Spike Lee, that creates so many folks that have come out of these HBCUs and gone on to greatness. There's a sense of community. There's a feeling of you are good enough, you are important enough, and a a pressure that is in the best way to push you to get to the next level. See, I was somebody that had taken advantage of the fact that I was very often the only black kid in the honors classes, in the AP classes um, at my high school, because I I, I grew up in St. Pete, Florida, and and my high school was only 10% black. And so oftentimes I was the only kid in the honors class. I got a lot of attention, right? right? And I had a lot of the the white kids and white teachers and administrators, frankly, who underestimated me. Mm -hmm. And I was savvy enough and strategic enough to take advantage of that. Well, when I went to FAM, they weren't impressed. They were like, we all came from our honors class, <laughs> right. right? We all know how to talk to talk like you know how to talk, Will Pack. We're not impressed by you. You got to do more. You got to do something else to make yourself stand out. And it really honed the skills that I use today, be it pitching a movie or selling a project or like you talked about the likability factor, trying to get people to support what it is that I'm doing. I learned all of that at FAMU. So I'm I'm a big proponent of FAMU and, and HBCUs in general. And the thing I think people don't realize is that they're not monolithic and they are truly a pipeline. So many of our professionals, I don't care if you're talking about entertainment industry, um, the stock market, doctors, teachers, pharmacists, so many of them come from HBCUs. The pipeline is unquestionable, unquestioned and unmatched. Right. It really is. It really is. Now, you know, you've right lately on TV become a relationship man. You know, you've been a matchmaker king now, you know, put a ring on it and got my boy nephew Tommy hosting right. Ready to Love on OWN. Now, how you how you become, how you get into the relationship game? I know think like a man, but that was just a movie deal. But now you become a relationship king, the black relationship king on TV. Talk to us about that, Will. I like, I like how that sounds, brother. I'll take that. I'll, I'll wear that. I'll wear that crown. Uh, you know, I think it was an opportunity, man. Opportunity that honestly really did start with Think Like a Man. Think Like a Man was the first um, relationship movie that I did that really was big. And uh, it started with a conversation, frankly, with Oprah. I have a relationship with OWN and with Discovery, who is the parent company that um, that owns OWN along with Oprah. And I sat, uh, I went to, to Oprah's house, Promised Land, and talked to her about what I thought was missing. That's what she asked me. Where are the opportunities on my network? What is missing? And I said, one of the first things I said, I pitched a couple shows, but one of the first ones was I said, you know, where are the grown African-American dating shows? I said, it's one thing if you got people that are dating in their 20s, but you don't really know what you want when you're in your 20s. You know, you're just figuring out, you're learning. And, you know, all of us have have been through relationships in our 20s. And if it lasted, God bless you. Right. Right. But a Mm -hmm. lot of us, we don't figure it out until we get into our 30s and 40s. And so I said, let's do something that is for your audience, which owns audience is grown folks. Right. It is primarily, you know, 40 plus African-Americans. I said, they dating. They're trying to figure it out. They're coming out of out of relationships. They're coming out of marriages. Some of them got kids. What does that look like? And so, yeah, I got your guy, nephew, Tommy. 
And um, we actually had the number one show on Friday nights. And I'm so proud of it. It's called Rated Love, man. And it's uh, it's doing big things for us. <laughs> well, the beauty of it is that I, I remember just transitioning um, to another great black film director and producer, Tyler Perry. And Tyler yes. Perry was talking about, uh, you know, he'll call people when he cast them a lot of times. When they get casted in his project, he'll call them. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of them don't think it's a prank phone call. Uh, not really. And I was talking to the interview and nephew told me, he said, when you called him about Ready to Love, he thought he was being pranked because he's the king of pranks. Yeah. So so where does it get now when you make the phone call? Because I know you make the call and tell people, and it's a blessing to tell people they've been cast in different projects. When you started noticing the turn, because at first you were just doing your job and just happy, but you're Will Packer. You are a brand. You are, in some ways, let's be honest, a career maker. Because you can put people in leading roles. You're a box, box office a star. So that phone call that you make now, man, it's a little bit different now, the talent, isn't it? It's different. You're right. <laughs> and, and I appreciate you saying that, Rashad. It, is, uh, it feels good to be in a position to give people opportunities. Because you're talking about folks that have worked very, very hard to get in the position that they're in to be noticed by someone like Will Packer, who has a platform, who has a show, who has a movie, right? And so you've worked hard to get yourself in that position. When you do get that call, it's amazing. It's nothing like it. It's a true validation, not only of the work you've put in, but of your talent. Because I can't hire everybody that works hard. A lot of people work hard. But you got to work hard. You got to have the talent. You got to have them both and be focused and be persistent. Because you can be talented and working hard and still not get a call from a Will Pack or Tyler Perry or anybody. It's very possible, right? But if you are focused and persistent, you keep working. And if you've got that talent, you just keep getting better and better and better. I think I am a a big believer that the opportunity will present itself. And then it's on you to take advantage when you have that moment. Don't let that moment pass you by. I see that sometimes too, Rashawn. I see people that um, they're not ready when the opportunity presents itself, right? Maybe not mature enough, maybe not focused enough. Um, And that's unfortunate because you don't know how many of those shots you're going to get. When you get that shot, you take it, you take it, you go for it, you run with it and never let it go. That's what somebody like a Kevin Hart or a Tiffany Haddish has done. You know, I really uh, appreciate that. But also, the reason I love talking to you, because, you know, we, we we can laugh at each other and tease each other. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm going to yeah. tell you something about Will. See, Will, 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 you know, he threw, a, he threw out a conversation during this interview like it was no big deal. Well, you know, Oprah asked me, what do you <laughs> think, what's missing on my network? Oprah asked me now, you know, Will, Will, when do you get to the point in your life that Oprah asks anybody, anybody, and she asks you, and you're like, well, I think Oprah, you know, can you give me a glass of wine and a cigar? <laughs> you got me. You got this. That was a little bit of a name drop. That was a big name drop right name. there. That's, you a, got that's a billionaire black woman, okay, yeah. who, who has yeah. defined uh, blackness for us all the last 20 years of our life. But you're sitting right there now, Will, where we see so many elegant African-Americans in the entertainment business that are getting deals, that are getting, that are being being recognized for the black culture is now being viable. And it's not only streaming networks, but in film and network television. That has to make you feel good, Will. No question. No, in fact, it makes me feel good to be a part of it. Right. Um, I am now looking at another generation coming up behind me. This everything runs in cycles and the film industry is no different. And so when I was coming up, I was able to look at people like Spike Lee, like the Hudlin brothers, like the Hughes brothers, 
These were filmmakers that John Singleton, God bless his soul. These were people that were making movies when I was trying to get in. Robert Townsend, I would look at them and say, man, I'm just trying to do what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I got my shot. And I've been very blessed and very fortunate to have a lot of success within that industry. Now, when I look at this new crop of filmmakers that's coming up, I see this cycle. I see this new wave. And it's so, man, it is so, um, it's really validating, Rashawn. I'll be honest with you, because it feels like, okay, the work that I put in laid the path, laid the foundation and, and put in the groundwork so that this next generation can come in. And I hope surpass everything, you know, that I've ever done. I got 10 number ones. I hope someday there's somebody with 20 number ones at the box office. Box office is a little bit different now. You know, the way that they, the, you know, everything is on streaming. So we'll see that that record might stand for a while. But the point is that there are a lot, a lot of new African-American filmmakers that have a chance to tell their stories. And I'm hopeful that my success, because this industry is all about success, right? Yes, it is. If somebody has a big movie, makes a bunch of money. Hollywood wants the next one. Who else can do what they do? You know, give us the next you know, Ryan Coogan, right? Give us the next Shaka King, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah. Give us the next whoever it is. Well, I'm hopeful that Will Packer made some of the folks in the industry say, we need another Will Packer. We need to work with some more Black producers because they can be successful the way that Will Packer was. And that, honestly, that's legacy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you do it for, honestly. At the end of the day, that's what I'm most proud of, my legacy. Well, well, I've always been most proud of the fact that you understood value. Because you understood... Rashawn, number one. I remember when we were, after we did think like a man, we we talk on the phone. You go, hey, Rashawn, uh, put a little extra juice on this one, you know, because y'all hype it up just a little bit more because I want to be number one. You knew as far as your brand by hung, hanging on to that mantra of releasing number ones, it would pay off down the line. And it's like I said, ten. That is nothing. This well, I'm gonna tell you something. Bro. Never been done before. Okay, white or black. Never been done before. And so, but you always had a vision about that. Now, that leads to these upcoming projects that you have coming out at Universal. And then you're also developing the Doug Williams biopic. Talk about the upcoming projects and the podcast that you have rolling out. Again, the Will Packer brand. You know what? First of all, I got an amazing team around me, Rashawn. And I want everybody listening to this to know that. Like, at the end of the day, you're only as strong as your team, right? It's it's my name is at the top of the of the, the company letterhead and all of that. But at the end of the day, I got good people around me. And so as you're looking to build yourself up and, and do what we've talked about in this interview, make sure you got the right people around you. Uh, and we're busy, man. We are busy. We, uh, we announced an a podcast deal with iHeart, as you know, um, one of the the major, the biggest in terms of podcasting, but one of the major audio services that are out there. So we're doing podcasts. We've got one dropping this summer. It's a narrative podcast. So it literally is us getting a chance to develop stuff, which may turn out to be a movie or a television show later, but it's starting off in the podcast format. Um, I'm going uh, to shoot with Idris Elba, who we talked about uh, this summer. I've got a movie called Beast. Uh, that I'm excited about is Idris Elba. He's he's, uh, he's trapped in the jungle with a man eating lighting, a man eating lion chasing him and his family mm-hmm. down. So that's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, fun escapist fair. Um, so that's good. And then mm-hmm. we've got um, a television show called Bigger, which is airing on BET Plus mm-hmm. right now. 
so if you don't have BET Plus, check it out. Go stream it. Tyler Perry has uh, all his content on BET Plus. This show is called Bigger. It's yes, a does. fun, sexy comedy. It's grown now. It's definitely grown. A little bit edgy. Uh, <laughs> but you, you would like it, Rashad. It's, it's good. Uh, then, of course, you talked about Rated Love on Friday nights. I got another relationship show called Put a Ring on It about couples that have been dating for a very long time but have never gotten married. And they do this social experiment where they see what would happen if you allow your significant other to date someone else for 30 days. What happens? And at the end of those 30 days, does it make your relationship stronger or does it tear it apart? So that one's called Put a Ring on It. And that was Aaron. Yeah, man. That, that, was, that was Oprah's face when I pissed her that one, too. <laughs> she, said, oh, she said, oh, you're trying to get people in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, man, we're busy. We're busy. We've got a lot of stuff happening in no, no, various forgot, Now, you forgot Doug Williams. Got to tell us about Doug Williams. Got to do Doug Williams, man. Absolutely. Listen, we talked about HBCUs. We talked about overcoming adversity. He is the epitome, the true personification of that. Doug Williams, first Black quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, Mm -hmm. um, a personal hero of mine. We're actually doing his story, Rashawn. Thank you for for bringing that up. We're doing his story as a big screen biopic, um, and he deserves the big screen telling. He is the precursor to Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick. He was the first one Mm -hmm. to go out and succeed at the highest levels through all the adversity, because you know how it is. He had a lot of folks that were rooting against him and said, you can't do it. As a black Mm -hmm. quarterback, you're not smart enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the leadership. But he did. And he went out and won. And so we're going to tell his story and give him the big screen treatment. I'm very excited about that. Well, well, Will, thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversations, man. You're special, brother, and I appreciate you. And you know, coming to me, I'm always going to promote what you got to say, even when I know you and I don't know you. <laughs> That's what makes you the great connector, Rashawn. I appreciate you, my friend. All love, brother. Thank you. And if you want to see any of the interviews or hear any of the interviews on Money Making Conversations, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or my YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.